Okay, don't fear turning me down. Way down. Um, this is the look that I get from many people in my life. So don't, don't fear turning me down. Uh, so my name is Manny Cotaspodi, and I am so excited to be here with you today. It's a privilege um, to be here, and I have been actually praying for your church and praying for this time um, for the past week or so, and there are two words that God kept bringing up to me, um, and the first one was truth, um, that I see in your leadership, I see in your church, I see in your activities, that you are people who seek truth that you speak truth, that you adhere to truth, and that is such a gift, that you're part of something bigger than just what's happening here at City Church, that you are part of a wider body known as the church. And so I just want to affirm and encourage you as truth seekers and truth tellers this morning. Um, The second word that I felt God was speaking to me about your church is faithfulness. Um, that you just recently went through this move, right, to this building. And when you got here, uh, things weren't as, as great, maybe, as you thought they were going to be, that there was rain and all kinds of stuff happening, and, and there's this moving all your stuff and moving your people and not being able to use the elevator. But I felt like God wanted me to encourage you this morning that hard doesn't mean wrong. And that he wants to tell you this morning that you are a faithful people. And that the move was a sign of your faithfulness. As you move closer to the oracle, as you move closer to your project new community, as you move closer to a neighborhood upon which you are to have an impact as truth tellers, as faithful, obedient servants of God. And so God just wants to affirm and encourage truth and faithfulness that is found within your church this morning. And so I just want to pray over City Church right now um, in that spirit. And so if you want to close your eyes, I just want to pray over you guys right now. Um, Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for City Church. Thank you for Um, this community that is full of worship and love for you, Lord. Pray for this community as they seek after truth, as they walk the hard road of being faithful servants, followers of you, Lord. Um, And I just get this picture um, of a runner, and they're in the start position. They're poised. They're not running yet, Lord, Um, but they've been training, and they've been doing the hard work of getting prepared to run this race, and they are still in the start position. And I feel like that's what you're saying to City Church this morning. Like, hey, don't, don't fear the race that is before you. You are ready. You are trained. You know what to do. Um, Lord, I pray over this church that you give them uh, feet and legs uh, for strength and endurance to run this race. Lord, I pray that you give them a steady heart that is able to follow through Um, as they run this race. And Lord, I pray for their minds that they be focused and determined so that they may reach and attain that goal towards which they are running. Lord, thank you so much for City Church. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, So we're going to dig into Genesis 16. Part of my journey is, um, well, you can't really ignore the fact I am a woman. And I am, ah, I know, oh my gosh, do you want me to leave now? Um, I am a woman, and I am 
a pastor. Now, this may be shocking to some of you and may not be shocking to some of you. This happened about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. Uh, our church, Love Canton, was going through a series of transitions at the time. Um, and I really honestly believed that me being a woman would be the least shocking part of all the transitions that were happening within our small church. Um, I had been there for a while. I had preached before. I had been in leadership before. So this wasn't anything new, I thought. Um, I was wrong. I was very naive in this. Um, There were about three reactions to me becoming pastor. One was, yeah, great. I affirm women in ministry. Woo-hoo! Go Mandy. That was the smaller portion of the reaction. Uh, Number two was... Uh, on paper, yes, I, uh, yes, maybe, maybe not, uh, culturally, uh, you know, evangelical churches aren't really known for their female pastors, non-denominational churches aren't really known for their female pastors, and so it was this, I'll wait and see, we'll see, um, and then third uh, reaction was, nope, See ya. You know, um, I'm going to read from you um, Timothy, Ephesians, even parts of Genesis, and I'm out. Like, I can't be here. Um, and, it's, and, and I can laugh about it now a little bit. I've learned not to take it so personally. And in fact, just so you know, there are, in fact, people in our congregation today who are still saying, I'm not sure, but I know you. And I'll follow you because you're chasing after Jesus. I'm not sure I would affirm everybody, but I can't quite come to grips with saying no to you. Um, And so we still exist in that mode of uh, unifying the church and saying this is a secondary issue, not a primary issue. Um, And so if you're sitting here today and you're not sure, it's okay. It is honestly okay. Um, because I preach before people who are still like, ah, I'm not sure. Um, but I laugh about it now, but back then, a year and a half ago, I call those my desert days. Um, they were filled with despair. They were filled with hopelessness. They were filled with a sense of loss, with a sense of, I don't know what to do. There was anger in that mixture. There was this sense of abandonment. There was this sense of, God, why are you calling me into something that it, for all intents and purposes, it feels as if this is absolutely wrong. I mean, it feels horrible. There is nothing joyful in me in taking this position, in living this life. They were my desert days. And maybe some of you are here this morning and you're in desert days. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're feeling a sense of despair, a sense of hopelessness, a sense of confusion, anger. And what I want you to know is there's room in the church for you in your desert days, that you are in the exact right position right now being here in church while you are in your desert days. I was preaching from the pulpit 
in my desert days. And the story that we have today is the story of Hagar who lived desert days. And what I want you to do as we read through Hagar's story, as we learn more about her and what God says to her in her desert days, there are two things that I want you to do. One, don't throw stones. What I mean by this is that there will be some shocking things in this story. There will be things that you think, I would never, that's horrible, I have never. But here's the thing, is that we can't throw stones because we live in a different time, a different context, a different culture. And we all have, at some point, acted in a way that is irresponsible, that is selfish, that is greedy, that puts our will above God's will. And so don't throw stones. Don't get caught up on how horrible their actions are. But rather, and this goes into the second portion, allow the Holy Spirit, allow God to convict you. Allow God to speak. And so the second thing I want you to do is to listen. Not only listen to the words on the page, on the screen, but I want you to allow yourself to listen to what God is speaking to you right now, right here today as you may be in your desert days, or guys, we will all see desert days. We will all be in a position at one point in our lives when we are despairing, when we are hopeless, when we are lost, and God wants to speak to you in those days. So this is either a truth for today, right now, right here, or this is a truth for you to share with others as a truth-telling community, or a truth that you will grasp onto someday in your life. And so, God, Father God, I just pray that you give us ears to hear, that even in the midst of speaking uh, your message and your words, if you say, Mandy, veer, that I'll veer. If you say stop, I'll stop. If you say pause, pause. Um, Lord, I pray that you give each person in here ears to hear what you have to say to them as individuals today, as a church today. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be talking about one of my favorite stories. This is Abram, Sarah, and Hagar. Now, Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham. And one of the covenants he made was to say, you will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. So God had promised Abraham and Sarah children. And so the expectation was that they would have children, right? God promised. But we see in chapter 16, verse 1, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And so God's promise had not been fulfilled yet. And so what happens when God's promise isn't fulfilled and you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting? Do you go patiently and wait some more? No. It's Mandy? Amanda, what do you do? Yes, yes, you try to get things done yourself. Yes, like God's timing, he must have forgotten, right? The omniscient, omniscient, omnipotent God must have forgotten that he promised, right? So Amanda says, I'm going to do things in my own time. I'm going to get it done. Fair. That is exactly what happened. That's exactly what Sarah did. She said, but, but, she was not pregnant. She had not borne him any children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named 
Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. This is the first icky part of this story where we're like, oh, what? What is she doing? Um, But this was an accepted practice. Doesn't make it right. But she said, basically what she's doing is what Amanda said. God's not doing it in my time, so I'm going to get it done any way that I can. And so she gave Hagar to Abraham and said, okay, now go sleep with her. Through her, we can build this family. Abraham agreed um, to what Sarah had said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband, to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Bam! Done! We can go home, right? Everything's good. Problem solved. They have children. This is going to be all good, right? And not so much. Be careful. This is a classic case of be careful what you wish for. Because... This is exactly what she wanted to happen, right? This is exactly the plan that she had laid out. Not that God had laid out, but that she had laid out. So when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram. So this is where probably, right, Sarah's going to own that she was wrong, right? Like she's going to say, hey, Man, shoot, I should have trusted in the Lord. He would have provided in his own time. Man, I am so sorry that this happened. (laughs) No, that is not at all what she did. Instead, she did what we tend to do. We're looking around. Who are we going to blame, right? We got to blame someone, and it's not going to be us. And so she turns to Abraham. I love this part. She turns to Abraham. She says, you, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant, no, she even owns, I put my servant in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Sarah, come on, come on, come on. She blames her husband, her poor husband. Now, Abraham. He is not a dumb, he is not a dumb man. Because what does he do at this point? Does he accept responsibility? Because, come on, let's be honest. He is responsible too. He could have stopped this whole thing. He could have said at the beginning, mm nope, the Lord promised. And so we are going to trust him. Wait, no, he capitulated to his wife. He abdicated any responsibility, did what she told him to do. And so now, once again, this pattern repeats itself. He said, he's not dumb. He's like, nope, servant is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. So he's done. Once again, denies any responsibility, puts it all on Sarah. And then Sarah begins to mistreat Hagar. And in all of this, in this dysfunctional family situation we have that began with Sarah not trusting God's promises, not depending and leaning on his understanding, not her own, she takes matters into her own hands, and there's this big mess. And yet, and yet the person 
In the middle of all this, I feel, is Hagar. Hagar flees. Why? Hagar was treated as a possession. She was a thing. She was a slave that was just passed back and forth in this game they were playing of how to conceive children without the Lord. And so she was just this vessel for a child. And she was a thing, a possession given to Abraham. And then he flung her back over to Sarah. And so at this point, Hagar feels, I imagine, that she has no choice but to flee. And so Hagar flees to the desert. She said, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And this is why I call these desert days. I identify very much with Hagar in this story. As much as I identify with Sarah and Abram, it could have been a scene from my own home in many ways. Um, But for the purpose of this story, Hagar right now is in her desert days. She is feeling desperate. She has been beaten. She feels like a possession. She feels despair, loss. Nobody sees her. And so she flees to the desert. And there in the desert, she meets an angel of the Lord. And he said to her, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. And this is where, I just want to pause for a second. This is where everything in me wants to say, keep running. Let me show you the way. Run, run from those people who abuse you, who treat you poorly, who have not seen you, who basically you are in the middle and they're fighting around you and over you, run. And this is where we as Christians, we as Christ followers, we as people who even maybe have a chance of believing have to begin to wrestle with what it says in Scripture because the angel of the Lord doesn't say keep running. The angel of the Lord says Go back. Go back and submit to your mistress, Sarah. What? What? That is mind-blowing to me. Go back and submit to her. I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. And that's when I think about my own desert days in that moment. And I want you to bring to mind your own desert days. Those days of loss and despair and hopelessness and fear and being mistreated. Um, I want you to think of those desert days. And I think, like, there's this choice. And it's so hard. You flee further and further and further. Or is God calling you to go back and submit to what? Because God indeed was calling Hagar to go back and submit, and through her there would be these descendants. There is this promise to her. And this is what Hagar says, and this is, this is the mind-blowing part to me, the faithfulness and the trust as she grabs onto the truth of who God is. Um, she says, you are the God who sees me. 
For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And she goes back. So she wasn't given a promise of comfort or stability or, um, hey, everything's going to be happy, happy, joyful, joyful. No, there was, there was no promise like that. She didn't know what she was going to go back into. But she had the promise of she had a God who saw her. You are the God who sees me. And imagine what a gift that was to somebody who had been bandied back and forth, back and forth as a possession between two very dysfunctional people who they themselves weren't trusting in the Lord at the time. And so due to having a God that saw her, she was able to go back. Not to a life of comfort, not to a life of stability, not to a life filled with joy and love from the people around her, but a life where she knew that she was seen. What this makes me think of is that there are those of us who are here today uh, that desire to be seen. That in our desperation, in our despair, in our hopelessness, that we come to church and we go about our life and we go about our days and we don't truly feel as if people see our struggles. And what it does is it keeps us from moving forward, either going back or fleeing. It causes us to come to a standstill. But the truth that I want you, City Church, to grasp on today is that you have a God who sees you. You have a God that sees you beyond. I was thinking, I was actually praying through this, and I was thinking about all the different outreaches that you have and all the different labels that we put on people. And I think about the labels that Hagar could have worn in her day. And I think the gift is, is that God sees through those labels and see Hagar in the image in which she was created. And she was created in the image of God. And I think as I look around this room, I think about all the different things that we put on that keep people from truly seeing us. And uh, you know what? I'll, I have to be honest. I, I will go first in that it's amazing. When I went through this today, guys, I dye my hair. I'm a 40-year-old woman who has gray hairs, but I have blonde highlights in my hair. I am a short woman. I'm wearing heels right now. Guys, this is, this is where it gets real. You're not recording this, right? This is, woo, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Guys, I'll be honest, I will see, I have this tank top. I have this tank top, and it just kind of sucks everything in a little bit tighter. You know what I mean? I, I wear makeup not well. I would like Ohio State scarf lady to teach me how to wear makeup. But the person you see standing before you today is not the person I wake up as. It's not. It's not. And I want to be real with you right now. I want, I will tell you that I have suck it in shapewear on and heels and highlights and makeup. And, and I practice this and I want you to think that the, that the Holy Spirit is speaking through me and hopefully he is right now. But this is not 
all of me. All of me is seen by my brothers and sisters in Christ that I call at 11 p.m., 12 a.m. at night, when I call in the middle of the night and I am weeping and desperate and crying. It was when we had a mass exodus from our church of which I was the pastor, of which I was going to be like, woo, women can do this. And every night I would go to bed and I would say, wow, I'm not sure this woman could do this. And I would cry, and there were days when I didn't get out of bed in the morning. When I texted a friend and I said, you have to come get my children because I can't get out of bed. I cannot move. And the gift that God gave me in those moments was the gift of being seen, was being a child of God, a daughter of God that didn't have to do anything but lay there and receive his goodness and his mercy. And for him to call me by my name and say, Mandy, I love you. And I feel that is the gift that Hagar was given. That is what propelled her to be able to go back, that it was God's love, his view of her. And so if you are sitting here today and you are in a place of hopelessness and despair, God is saying, turn to me. Turn to me in your desert days and I will call you by name. And in the morning when you get up and you put on your armor, whether it be makeup, shoes, whether it be the stoic nature, guys, don't even pretend that you don't do it either. You may have different things that you put on, but you put up barriers and walls so that you can be a stoic, with it man. And you can approach the world and be in control and be strong and have the answers. But God is saying, I see you, and you need people around you who see you too. That you need the 2 a.m. people that you will call. And here's the thing, is that in this, you have to be willing to be seen. And that is so scary. That is so scary. I want you to think right now. Do you have somebody in your life that you call up and you say, this is all of me. This is the secret sin that I struggle with, that I wrestle with. This is the sin that nobody knows about that's so hidden that if anybody would find out about, surely I'd be cast out of this room. Where is the place in your life that you need to confess? And not only... For the sake of repentance, but for the sake that you are dying inside. That it's eating you up. That you have secret shame, you have secret guilt. We all have it, guys. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is where there are no stones to be cast in this room. We can all lay them down. Because all of us have that area in our life that needs confession, that needs repentance. And it is only when we are in those desert days and we are able to come before the Lord with all of who we are, that he will be able to say, like, go back. Go back. There's work for you to do. There's work to be done. Submit and obey. And submit and obey to him. That's what Hagar was doing, right? 
We miss the point if it's just her going back and submitting to Sarah. No, rather the Lord was asking her to submit and obey him in going back. And so for you, as we, as we think through this passage, I want you to think about who's with you in your desert days. Who's with you? You should be able to name one or two. And it can't, here's just really practically, if you're here and you're married, it can't just be your spouse. Who's with you in your desert days? Who is the one that says, I see you? Where's the time that you are allowing for God to see you? Or are you, are you running the race, but you're running around in circles? And you're just busy, 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 busy. And it's almost as if you're running from God, right? Like if I just keep moving and keep doing what, what I think he's calling us to, and I'm going to run and run and run and run, and maybe I can actually avoid him seeing me and spending time with him. I'm just going to run. Where's the time that you are allowing God to minister to your heart? That sometimes it's good to flee and to flee right straight into his arms where he can see you and minister to you so that you have the ability to go back. And then what are you going back to? What is God calling you today? Where are you to step out into faith and step into a situation that might be difficult? It might be a middle school classroom for just a few more months. It might be a neighborhood. It might be the downtown bar. It might be your own family. Maybe the Holy Spirit was speaking to you as the story was being read, and you're like, whoo, I'm feeling the little shades of Abraham here. I'm feeling a bit like I abdicated my role in this family. Maybe God is calling you to step back into being a faithful servant to your family in areas where you have abdicated so those are the questions this morning. Um, who is with you? Who do you allow to see you? Where are the moments of your life? Where is the time when you are slowing down and you actually allow yourself to be ministered to by the Lord? That it's not, you're not running around in circles. You're not doing, 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 doing. We are saved by grace, not by works. So just rest in that truth today. And then what is God calling you to go back into? Where is God asking you to step out in obedience? As I look at this church and I look at your leadership, I feel like they have stepped out in faith by being here in this neighborhood, by being in this church, by offering classes that actually will shape you as disciples of Christ to run a race with a prize that is worth attaining. They have an understanding that the church is not just Sunday morning. Guys, there's something bigger. There's something more here. And I believe as a church even, you're being called into that to go deeper into your faith for the sake not only of yourself but for others. And so what are you going back to? And one of my favorite passages is Isaiah 43. Maybe you know it. 
Um, it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And the word that constantly sticks out to me in that passage is when. Not if. When you pass through the waters. When you pass through the rivers. When you walk through the fire. This is not if. If you are saying, yes, I'm going to run this race. Yes, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. Then there will be desert days. There will be. And what is the truth that you are going to hold on to in those desert days? And the truth that I want you to hold on to is that you have a God who sees you. That you have a God that will never abandon you, never forsake you, never leave you. That he loves you. That you are his treasured possession. That you are a gift. And in realizing that, you can go back. What I want to do right now is I just want to allow for some space uh, to pray um, over you. To pray over their desert days. If This is not something I usually do, but if there is anybody who actually needs prayer and would like to be prayed for. Um, I would love to be able to do that right now. It's one of the things that I love to do, to be able to pray over people. And so if you need prayer right now, if you would like prayer, um, you can um, come up or you can raise your hand and stay where you are. It's okay. This is a very uncomfortable thing, but this is a small space, I feel, and I feel like you probably all know each other well enough that if you would like to receive prayer, I would love to be able to do that. Um, but if we could allow for two minutes for God to speak and minister to each one of you, I would love to have that happen. And if anybody during that two minutes would like to come up, they can. So, um, Father God, we just open up this space to you. I'm reminded I'm reading um, Tozer lately, Lord, and I love him because he says that so often we believe uh, that God has done and he will do, but miss the fact that he is doing. And Lord, I think that is often the case with your word, that we believe that you have spoken, um, but we forget sometimes that you are speaking. And so, Lord, we just open this space up to you for the next two minutes. And so we give this space to you to speak to our hearts, to minister to our hearts, to meet us in our desert days and to speak truth over our hearts, to actually allow ourselves to be seen right now.
Father God, I just get this picture of uh, a gathering of people, and um, it's people that are taking off um, their uh, hats and their boots and their heavy hoodies and their makeup, and, and they're stripping down to the most basic layer to bathing suits that are colorful and a little bit crazy and there are Hawaiian swim trunks beneath layers of uh, black hoodies and jeans and heavy boots but underneath there is this uh, joyful expression of who they are and Lord I see this gathering of people all coming together and uh, stripping away the layers and then jumping in um, to this big lake and they're splashing and there's playing and uh, there is such joy in playing before you, Lord, when all the layers are stripped away. And in the water um, and in the lake, as the hair gets wet and as the crazy bathing suits are on, I feel like there is this intermingling of people where you can't tell who has come from where or what they're, uh, what it is that they're struggling with. That The desert days are replaced with an oasis where you are so present. And so, Lord, just give each person in here a picture of what it looks like to jump in, man, to dive in to your glory, to dive in to your presence and experience within that oasis freedom. And it's a freedom that doesn't come as individuals, but it's a freedom that comes as they laugh and they sing and they worship and they play with one another. Lord, the word that I get for uh, City Church at this moment for these people is to um, discard the layers and to jump in, just jump in and go for it, that there is joy that is coming, that the hope that they have placed in you will lead to joy, and that their name shall be joy in the months and in the years to come. Lord, may they be a great light that shines in this neighborhood, in this city, that they are a light on a hill that they should not be hidden, but let their light, but let their good deeds shine so that all may know the glory of you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.